Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 80. And there was much rejoicing. Helping me celebrate the two-year anniversary of the first podcast episodes being released are my good friends Adam Ross from Creatures and Chemicals, episode 11 and episode 13, and Alan Hill, episode 10. We begin with Adam Ross and find out what has happened with Creatures since our last episode when I was in the band, details of the release of the album, and what the future holds for live shows and new music. Rounding out the episode is my brother from another Alan, who gives us an update on his coaching experiences, starting a family, moving to Portugal, and a major health event that put him in the hospital for over a month and required him to basically learn to walk again. Thank you so much for joining me for this milestone episode, with over 3,000 downloads from over 55 countries. I hope that the content I bring each week is giving value to every one of you that listens. I'm especially grateful to my guests for sharing their wisdom and experiences to help the greater good. Reach out on social media and let me know what your favorite episodes have been and what you want to hear more of and what you want to hear less of. So on with the show. Here's Adam Ross from Creatures and Chemicals. A lot of background noise. What are you doing? Are you breathing? Are you heavy breathing? I'm a heavy breather, but I'm also in my room with fans on. What did you eat for breakfast this morning? Um, I had sausage and eggs. Okay. Any Anyone's sausage in particular? Jimmy Dean. Is he girthy? His sausage is delicious. Welcome to... Another episode of the podcast today, I'm hanging out with my bud Adam uh, from Creatures, who's going to help me celebrate the uh, 80th episode and the two-year anniversary of the podcast. How are you doing, man? Nice. Doing good, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you have been on the podcast a couple of times already, talking about Creatures. So uh, I have. Why, why don't we just uh, head into an update with what's going on with, uh, with the band? Well, so... Uh, we have another new lineup, or new-ish, I guess. So we got this uh, this guy Mark on vocals now. And uh, we actually just added another guitar player named Connor okay. um, a couple weeks ago. But he's picking up the songs really, really fast. So, cool. Uh, yeah, we've got kind of a, a, a little bit of a bigger sound. So. Hmm. I think it's going to be awesome, and uh, I mean, obviously, with everything going on in 2020, we couldn't do shows or anything this year, which we had quite a few lined up, but uh, yeah, we kind of got screwed out of that, so we've just been uh, rehearsing and just writing some new ones. Nice. So we're going to actually, uh, we're going to play um, My Friend's Garage on Halloween. Huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> To get ready for a show that we actually have lined up in November, but nice. 
So is that a, a venue called My Friend's Garage, or is that an actual friend who has a garage? <laughs> no, it's an actual friend who has a garage. <laughs> cool. So let's, yeah, I mean, let's let's bring in the other two members just so we they don't feel left out. Yeah. So uh, Mark and Connor, and oddly enough, I don't know Connor's last name. Interesting. I no, I meant the other, the other two mem- the other two members. Oh, oh, you mean Doug and Julio? That's the one. Yeah, there we go. So okay. yeah, so it's me, Mark, Doug, Julio, and Connor. Yeah. So I mean, let, let's. I think the last time we talked about the band on the podcast, I was still the bass player. We had, uh, I think, uh, yeah, we didn't have a drummer at that point. Nope. Right? I think it was we were Sans drummer. Yeah, me, you, and Kay, right? Yeah. So Kay was singing. So Kay was on the podcast. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a whole new lineup. It almost didn't didn't really go anywhere, and then uh, we we started Fierce Sundown, which yep. didn't go anywhere yet. But you know that that we there's still there's still potential in that. Oh yeah, for um, sure. So yeah, that was actually it's funny because uh, I've noticed Fierce Sundown's been getting some uh, views here and there, mm. but <laughs> there's nothing going on with it right yeah. now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, what why? Why did you decide that you wanted to jump back into Creatures for the third time? Well, I think, um, you know, Creatures was kind of the, something that I put together as kind of like, you know, a pet project. So I kind of felt like it was kind of my baby. And, mm. uh, you know, I think starting a, a band from scratch is really tough. But we had some of that Creatures material out there. So right. we just kind of threw it out to do those. And then... Um, you know, since we kind of already had the name, had done some shows and kind of were established, I think it just made a little bit more sense to yeah, uh, I mean, to keep it going rather than try to start from something new, you know? For sure. And there's a lot of momentum behind the name already. Are you still getting, you know, offers here and there? Even, yeah. Even with this current state of, uh, you know, the world. Um, so, I mean, you got, you've got the uh, the first batch of songs out. So the album's yep. out. So t- tell everyone a little bo- bit about that and the recording process. Yeah, so it's uh, it's just self-titled Creatures and Chemicals. Um, pretty much everywhere uh, you can get music. But um, we actually, uh, this wasn't on purpose, but I mean, given the nature of the horror theme, you know, it actually took uh, 13 hours total to record <laughs> wow <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah we did it in just a, a few sessions and just kind of knocked them all out right and then you had uh i think didn't we pl- already play on the podcast the oh it was um death elevator because that's the one i'm i'm guessing yeah. Yeah. in <laughs> so and you have uh, a cool video for end of the world which was very uh timely yeah, <laughs> which is funny because that song was actually written, you know, a few years ago. So, <laughs> right, that's a that's a crazy bit of foreshadowing, you know. I guess so. Um, so what's next? How many how many songs do you have in the can, or at least written? Uh, written completely. Now we have, I want to say, two officially that are done. Um, Face Down on Halloween is going to go on the next album. Mm-hmm. And then Happy Friday. 
And then there's about four or five other ones that we're actively working on. Nice. So. And have you mastered the minor key yet? No. We have one <laughs> new song that uh, is the only song that uh, I've ever written in a minor key. So You'll, you'll get there. Just one, <laughs> one fret down. Just remember that minor third. I'm trying, man. It's just like, you know, I like the... Uh, I like the happy pop punky riffs, you know. <laughs> I, I rag on you, but I mean, it's it, it, it if you if you if that's your thing, then just keep being you. Yeah, and it's I mean, it's a really hard thing to get away from, you know. Mm. So. Didn't we um? Didn't we talk to when we when you and I went to see Pliny? Uh, didn't didn't you ask him a question along those lines? Yeah, because he mentioned something about all of his riffs being happy. And he kind of pretty much had the same response that it's, you know, it's hard to to do anything else when that's what you do, you know? Right. So. Yeah, for sure. So going forward, like, you, you've got the songs going. When do you think you'll get back in the studio? So um, I'm shooting for hopefully around January or February. Mm-hmm. So I'm really kind of just waiting to see what happens with all the, the COVID stuff, you know, and try to get back to normal. But Right, for sure. So, and I want to try to take a little bit longer this time too, and see if we can, you know, dedicate a little bit more time per song to really kind of try to nail them down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause I kind of have a, a different idea of how I want the next album to sound. I want it to be a little bit, uh, a little bit bigger, you know? Right. Um, cause I think we kind of stylistically on this, on the first creatures album, we kind of, really went with more of that it's it kind of sounds more traditional kind of punk kind of tones you know but yeah. i want the next ones to be like just a lot bigger just like that wall of sound kind of deal so mm-hmm. cool jumping off from there what do you envision like what what are your predictions for how the the live scene is going to look you know probably next year maybe even 2022 well, I'm hoping that, you know, kind of a silver lining, you know, this kind of makes people miss going out a little bit, you know, and uh, hopefully it'll pick up. I mean, it's it's hard for the live metal scene in Dallas, just kind of as it is. So I don't know if it'll change yeah. too much, but I hope it will. So what what do you think? So COVID notwithstanding, if, if everything was still the same as it was, what do you think the scene needs to maybe kick it in the in the butt or you know what 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 things need to kind of ha- that that you think would be nice to happen i mean need is a strong word but like what would make the scene better um to be honest with you i mean think you know just uh better venues you know more opportunities for smaller bands to kind of play bigger venues so people get a chance to see them Mm. you know because i mean it part of the problem that we have is you know playing these little bars and these little clubs i mean you really only get the people that you know want to go to the bar just to drink and you know half the time they're outside because you can't smoke you know what i mean so right it's it's really strange you know so i think you know just some of these smaller bands being able to get on these you know a little bit of bigger shows 
so they get a little bit more exposure and people will go see them at smaller places too, you know? Mm-hmm. So on the flip side, what do you think bands could do better? Oh, uh, I think to be honest with you, I mean, you know, I think the, the visual and entertainment kind of aspect of it is, you know, kind of paramount. I think everybody kind of gets stuck in like the, you know, we're just going to go up and play and let the music kind of speak for itself kind of thing. But I think it really needs to be more of a performance. You know, we've gone and seen some, you know, bands that are openers that, you know, don't really have, uh, you know, anything mentioning the name of their band. They didn't announce mm-hmm. the name of their band. You know what I mean? So, yep, for sure. And I think, um, you know, getting rid of the stigma of like promoting yourself too much, like trying to stay yeah. more active on social media and, I talk about creatures and chemicals way more than I should. And <laughs> I wear my own t-shirts and I wear them on stage while I'm playing. That's a no, no. That's why I do it. <laughs> right? You know, but I mean, I think stuff like that. I mean, you know, if you're not going to like talk about yourself and tell everybody how great it is, you know, how are they going to find out? You know what That's I mean? That's right. So. Yeah, I mean, what what's more punk than bucking the system and doing something that everyone else is not doing? Exactly. I'm wearing a Creatures and Chemicals shirt right now. Did I make it? <laughs> you did. <laughs> Sh- shameless pug- plug there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what was my next question? I'm I'm flying by the seat of my pants. No, no, um, hey. no notes here. I'm 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 doing it by you know by feel basically. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have it any other way. By feel is right. my favorite. Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> this is the X-rated episode, apparently. Sorry. Um, no, you're fine. Uh, where, where, where was I going with that? Damn. I do need notes because I suck otherwise. Yeah. I don't you know. know we're, what? Talking um, about we... the, we're talking about the scene and what it needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but... What I was going to do, because I, I think we may have touched on this in the first episode, but let's do a refresher. You know, how how did you get into music in the first place? Oh, so um, when I was, well, it's it's kind of weird. I mean, I remember, you know, always loving music in some way, you know, like little bits and pieces um, mm. throughout my life. Like being a little kid, like listening to like my sister's records and stuff like that and you know, uh, but I didn't really get serious or like to where like became a regular part of my life until I was uh, like 15 or 16. I was in high school and, um, you know, I'd been listening to like rap music that I was thought that was kind of like my favorite thing. And, um, mm. you know, when I was in high school, uh, all the kids were writing like, you know, Adidas and all this stuff um, all over their notebook. And I had no idea what it was. I knew it was a band. So I asked a buddy of mine, I was like, Hey, what's, uh, what's with this band Adidas? Everybody's addicted to. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, if you guys haven't figured it out by now, the band was actually porn. And um, so, you know, cause I didn't know who they were. Um, You know, he went and, uh, you know, I don't know. This is going to make me sound old, I guess, but he made me a, an actual mix tape. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like right on the cusp of having computers. We were poor, so we didn't have CD burners and CD players. So right. he actually made me a mixtape of uh, of Life is Peachy. 
mm-hmm. and um you know you'd record part of the album on one side and then you know on the on the second side you'd have you know enough room to finish off the album but you'd still have enough room for more songs so yep because he had room he put uh uh seek and destroy hmm. and uh cowboys from hell from 101 proof and cemetery gates and okay. walk on the b side and uh i was pretty much hooked from there um you know and it's it's not surprising really i mean my brother my oldest brother plays guitar my dad plays guitar and uh you know the times i had visited them when i was younger i've kind of seen them play and i you know i I remember grabbing like my dad's acoustic and stuff like that but uh you know never really kind of gave it much thought until then and then um they all wanted to start bands and um i was like okay i was talking to my friend uh joseph and i was like dude i should i should get a guitar you know and uh he's like no there's too many guitar players get a bass so i bought a bass (laughs) and started playing bass there you go wow so you didn't have pantera until around 101 proof yeah i was a late bloomer when it came to that kind of stuff because I, I think I remember, I remember Vogue coming out when it, I bought, I bought Vogue when it came out. Yeah. See, I like, yeah. I was around sixteen, so yeah. I was, I was kind of late to the the metal party. Like Metallica already had a behind the music. Mm-hmm. So, I think Black Album had just come out. So what are we? Damn. Now I'm really dating myself. Yeah. <laughs> what what year did the Black Album come out? Like ninety one. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Yep. So well, I mean, in, in fairness to me, I was nine. You know. <laughs> That's no excuse. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did like so. to uh, I did like to listen to my sister's uh, Great White album though. Great so, White. Yeah. <laughs> they jumped the shark. Yeah. Bum, right. Bum. Exactly. Uh, and then that was, set a, it on that was fire. a bad that was a bad that was a bad pun yes they set it on fire <laughs> that was that, probably that that's a little than... that's a little tasteless <laughs> too soon <laughs> no just tasteless i'm sorry i'll try i'll try to rein it in um no cool so um any anyone i mean obviously dimebag but anyone else that really inspired you to pick up a guitar um, so actually, it's yeah, it's funny. We were talking about this at the rehearsal the other day because, um, you know, Dime, being from Dallas, you know, I think that's that's a lot of where that kind of comes from. Well, aside from, you know, him just being super badass. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was telling the guys because, you know, I, I started playing bass and around the time I was like 18 or 19 or something like that, <clears throat> I was listening a lot to um, Ozzy Osbourne's Live and Loud album. Mm-hmm. And uh, listening to Zach play right. on that album was like just ridiculous. So I was that was that was like kind of the main like pushing point of me trying to play guitar. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, so I really kind of which is which is funny because like Zach, I don't isn't even one of my favorite guitar players. <laughs> right, he's not he's not really high up on the list. So it's just funny. It's just the way he plays, you know, on that album particularly you know yeah so i had i had that vhs tape yeah oh and the yeah the live stuff the live footage like watching him play and stuff like that too yeah and uh 
the the stupid hotel skits that they did. Yeah. Like, obviously that was a precursor to what would be the uh, Osbournes. Yeah, right. So that was yeah, that was inter- an interesting time. Um, so what would you envision creatures becoming if if there were no like barriers and no if money weren't really an issue what what would you what would you want creatures to become in, in a perfect world um man that's a hard to <laughs> it's hard to answer cuz i mean i've thought about it but you know it seems a little crazy but no i don't know i just i i just want us to be a band that you know people just kind of enjoy listening to you know not necessarily like mm. you know having to have like huge status or anything like that i just you know just want people to enjoy the music and you know um uh, i like to to kind of you know write the songs like i would imagine like you're kind of watching a movie so i kind of like to have give them like a little bit of more of that kind of story you know mm. so i mean obviously you know thinking about like playing the songs live and you know to huge crowds i think you know would be really awesome there's a i can't remember what concert it was or you know but it was like the rolling stones and you just like you see the crowd and it's like thousands of people just to mm-hmm. like see what that would be like would be pretty cool absolutely i mean what what additional elements would you bring to the band like now outside of just the you know the songs and the live performance what because you mentioned before about uh you know having this performance like what other elements do you think would be uh feasible at this point and what elements would you like to put on in the future so just thinking about like just some ideas you know around um like recording uh the next album we were talking the other day um i was listening to uh doo-wop music on the way to rehearsal (laughs) and I, i thought it would be cool to write like uh, a doo-wop song you know in the vein like you know in the uh, the creature style so it would have like the horror lyrics and stuff like that but I thought it would be cool to write it in such a way that one, like the doo-wop song would start off the album and then mm-hmm. you know each part of that song would lead into another song Okay, that might be like heavier or you know more like what we would do but if they all intercut to tell like kind of this crazy story and then mm-hmm. um at the end like maybe like go old school you can't really do a hidden track anymore but that's what i'd call it and then you know at the end you get to hear the entire like doo-wop song right so well i mean like th- if you think about like the adams family or yeah something like that it's it's almost it's like it's almost doo-wop it's not really but it's it's in that kind of weird vaudeville you know style yeah well i think that would work yeah there's a uh there's a band um called mr monster um i don't know if you've ever heard of them they're out of new jersey um i don't think so the main you know member uh unfortunately jason trioxin passed away so there won't be you know anymore but um they coined the term boo-wop. So, like, <laughs> okay. Because some of his songs are that doo-wop kind of style, but they're, uh, you know, horror related. So, mm-hmm. 
they're super awesome. So I probably yeah, would probably be taking some inspiration kind of from that. But nice, you know. But it's just got you know some of those songs have just this kind of like creepy kind of undertone, you know, with the crackling of the the megaphone, like how they recorded them back then. Mm-hmm. So interesting. If if um, COVID's gone, you know, and we're back to normal. Um, obviously, we've talked to talked before about uh, the horror theme and you know how how Halloween's obviously the the uh, the big point of the year for for bands that like you know have horror as their theme like what what would your goal be next halloween next halloween would be to put on like a have a really big show um you know if we record the album early in the year you know we might sit on it to maybe release it around halloween so Mm -hmm. you know hopefully we we do we are going to play a show in november um at uh the rail club okay so you know hopefully that'll kind of be the start of us being able to to kind of get out there and play more shows Mm. so by next october you know we might have gained enough to maybe play something a little bit bigger than you know um like reno's you know what i mean they play like maybe the rail club's pretty big so maybe the rail club and you know, uh, maybe we could get like a CD released or something like that, or a record release. Mm-hmm. What about uh, like an event type thing, where you bring the Halloween thing into the record release party? Like, what what could you do there? Um, I don't know. We could get, um, you know, we could maybe get some like haunted house performers to kind of come in and, you know, walk around. Yeah, I don't know. I think it would probably depend on where we're playing, you know. Right. Well, watch this space. I mean, that would be uh, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. I don't remember asking you these questions before because I don't think I had them. Okay. But I'm gonna go into my non-quickfire question round, which I need I need to write a jingle for. I think. Okay. <laughs> um, what significant negative experience have you overcome, and what did it teach you? Um, that's a tough one. Probably just my entire life, my entire childhood, <laughs> you know, and uh, just kind of taught me just to keep going, you know, mm-hmm. just keep pushing forward, you know, it's like when stuff kind of sucks, you just have to keep going. So yeah, my entire childhood. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. What major positive experience has given you the encouragement to follow this journey? Oh man, I'd have to say uh, Mary and Lindsay for sure, and uh, I'm not only sa- I'm not just saying that because like I think she's gonna like hear me or listen to this yeah, brownie points. But uh, no, for sure, Mary and her man, because like you know I feel like the a lot of the stuff I do, you know, other guys don't really get that opportunity to, mm-hmm. to take advantage of that, you know. Um. And Lindsay's good about letting me, you know, just be me, you know. Uh, so that's that's got to be number one. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. And finally, what does music mean to you? Everything. Like, you know, it's, I, I don't know. It's it's just it's everything to me, you know. It's the, the one thing you can do that, like, you can associate with, 
you know, really good memories and really mm-hmm. bad memories. Mm-hmm. I think that's the, you know, interesting that I would think of that as kind of like a positive, but, you know, for something to be that powerful and have like that much contrast, you know, I think mm-hmm. it's awesome. All right. Um, so any, any closing words, any advice you'd like to give, um, musicians or just anything you want to say about creatures? Um, I would just say, just always keep playing, you know, don't practice, just play. (laughs) And this this message is not supported. (laughs) (laughs) You're never, you're never too old. Yes. That, that, that I will agree to start a band. You're never too old. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, so where can people find out about creatures, get in touch with you, hit, hit you up for uh, weird, weird stuff? Um, we're on Instagram, but we don't really post anything. So Facebook, and then you can listen to the album on Spotify and uh, iTunes or Apple Music and Google Play and all that good stuff. Nice. And where can you buy merch? You can go to um, our website, I think. It's been a while since I've been on there. You actually know more about that than I do. Uh, I don't think the website's up. Oh, well, there you go. Um, so that that has to be rectified. <laughs> Just send me a message on Facebook. There you go. <laughs> and I'll sell you a shirt. Right. All right. Well, this has been a, a great hang. Um, definitely looking forward to hanging in person soon when yeah, we man. can stop wearing masks and stuff. Right. <laughs> so cool. Well, thank you so much, All and right, uh, thank, thank you for celebrating the two-year anniversary. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before we head into the next interview, here's a musical interlude in the form of Creatures and Chemicals with Toxic City.
To round out the episode, my longtime friend and brother, Alan Hill, is back to give us an update on his life. This is one of the deepest conversations I've had on my podcast, not only because of the length of our friendship and what it means to me to be able to explore these experiences after the fact, but because of the way Alan brings metaphors and deeper meaning to the memories. Here's my interview with Alan. What did you eat for breakfast? Uh, what did I have for breakfast? I had breakfast cereal. Yeah, last time you said uh, you, you ate a tin of sardines with the metal still encasing the fish. <laughs> yeah, it's still a pretty box standard bowl of cereal, mate. Yeah, yeah. I didn't bother taking off the cardboard or the plastic bag. That's, that's for losers. Newsflash. Double bases are dangerous. Yeah! <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, I'm hanging out with my good friend, Alan Hill, who is helping me celebrate um, the two-year anniversary of my podcast. How are you doing, man? I'm really, really good, thanks. I'm super excited to be here and, yeah, just delighted to, to be able to celebrate two years. I mean, wow, how, how fast that's gone, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And, uh, you know, I definitely have you to thank for uh, pushing me to set up my face, initial <laughs> Facebook page and just start getting stuff out there. And that's this is what it's turned into. So wow, uh, thank I really you. appreciate that. Yeah, no worries. Well, you know, that was just a little bit of a little, a little bit of a trigger, but obviously, you know, you can kind of get started and get an idea, but most people don't really take any action or follow up. And here we are, two years later, and yeah, sure, we might have had a good conversation, and there might have been a little bit of an impetus there at the beginning. But two years later, if you hadn't acted on it, we wouldn't be sitting here right now recording this podcast. And and I know that your your listenership has been growing and it's really exciting. So, yeah, well done to you. And I'm yeah, delighted to be celebrating with you, mate. It's uh, perfect. So, um, yeah, we talked to you last in episode 10. Mm. And this is going to be episode 80. So wow. 70 episodes ago. So what, do you, what have you been up to? Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll get into that. That's just incredible, mate. Eight, we're on 80th episode right now. This is This is episode 80. That is incredible. Well, first of all, I'm delighted to hear that. Congratulations. What a great way to, to kick off the two-year anniversary. Yeah, and um, what I've been up to, um, well, let me just think back. The last time we spoke, which was episode, what did you say, is it 20? Episode 10. Oh, episode 10. Gosh, well, all the way back. Yeah. When was that now? That was when we, was it like in the early yep. days of? It would have been kind of October, this time, maybe this time two years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, actually, it would have been, it would have been a little after yeah, this because this is two yeah, years. Yeah, from episode one. So we're probably looking at October, November. Yeah, so coming up on two years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gosh, mate, well, a lot has happened since then. So if we're talking 2018, um, yeah, I think at that time, the last time that we spoke, um, my wife Barbara is pregnant with our first child. Um and uh, now he's 18 months old and running wire. He's a great, mm -hmm. great ball of fun. So that's probably one of the that's most, awesome. yeah, thanks. <laughs> one of the most significant changes to my life, I think, um, is obviously, you know, starting a family, really. Um, and that's been an amazing, mm -hmm. amazing adventure. Um, yeah, just delighted about that. And the other thing as well, which is pretty significant, is um, that this year uh, we moved to Portugal. So we immigrated from the UK moved to Portugal. It had been on the cards for probably, um, oh, let's say, probably sometime last summer we started thinking about it, um, you know, just to kind of be, have, have Barbara's Brazilian side of her family nearer us because they're a little bit more um, amenable to the Brazilians arriving in Portugal than they are in the UK in terms of visa right. and stuff like that. It's a little bit easier here so than it is today. Plus the language is is right there yeah exactly yeah that's the other part of it too of course 
Um, so yeah, you hit the nail on the head. So yeah, we've been living in Portugal for actually since about five days prior to uh, lockdown, which has been one of the other major events, obviously, that's happened since we spoke. And um, yeah, the other part of it as well is, um, I shouldn't skip over that, is uh, on, as you well know, Christmas Eve last year, I had um, a brain event. That makes it sound a lot more fun if I call it an event. Sounds like a party. Or, <laughs> yeah, I had a brain event, man. It was amazing. Oh, you should have been there. Uh, <laughs> no, it was, it was uh, basically, um, for those people that are listening that didn't know, I had well, kind of like a stroke. Um, that's the best way of describing it. It was a bleed um, of something called a cavernous hemangioma on my cerebellum, which is like a, a birthmark, a cluster of blood vessels on the cerebellum at the back of the brain. And uh, mm. very, very long story short, I got very sick, was in hospital for a month. Um, they thought I had brain cancer and initially and had scans and eventually got, you know, started getting, getting better. But it was a big, tough journey to go through. Uh, I can gladly say, you know, for those people that haven't met me or don't know about me, that now I'm, you know, through that physically, I'd say I'm 99%. Um, in terms of my brain, in terms of my physical, in terms of everything, really. So, um, yeah, very grateful to still be here, um, having contemplated some, you know, sort of dark uh, thoughts and times and processes mm-hmm. along the way. Uh, I'm just very grateful to, yeah, be living life and just today. You know, reflected on that as I was out hiking with my wife and my little boy uh, who was strapped to my front. We were in the mountains here in Portugal, walking along some forest, uh, riverside forest paths. So, yeah, um, that's, awesome. you know, kind of where I'm at now in terms of the major things that have happened, I suppose. Um, lots of other things as well, but that's the kind of, you know, chunky, let's say, milestones that you could measure uh, along the way. Absolutely, thank you for sharing. Yeah, of so, really, first of all, really, really glad that you're you're over yeah. that and you're, you're better. Thank you. Uh, that was really scary. Yeah. Um, I just want to uh, let let's go back to. Uh, I want to go back to Kilimanjaro. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell tell us about that experience. Yeah, so Kilimanjaro, um, I did that in. Now, was that? I think that was 2017, if I remember rightly, and. Uh, essentially what this was was this was um an adventure for my wife and i we'd started you know some of the listeners that have you know remember um, episode 10 might remember that i'd been on this world tour in 2016 and we traveled the world 23 countries in 27 months meant to be six months ended up being you know all around the world except every continent except antarctica we were traveling and as part of that adventure we um, did some training with a gentleman that you're familiar with, I know, Simon, a, a gentleman called Blair Singer. Um, mm-hmm. So some of your listeners that may have heard of him, some of them may have heard of one of his friends and longtime business partners, Robert Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, another a friend of mine, and the, both of these two men, amazing inspirations and role models for myself. I know for you as well, Simon, would you would you agree with that? Is that fair to say? Yeah, actually, um, Blair, Blair's book's come up on the podcast a couple of times, definitely. Ah. Uh, um, what is it called? Oh, Little Voice. The Little Voice. Little Voice Mastery. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes, that's exactly. Right. Yeah, I, I think I know a couple of the guys that you've had on your awesome podcast, so I, I wouldn't surprise me if it come up there. Um, so, yeah, as a result of meeting those guys, I mean, I'm mm. you know, privileged to say I've managed to share the stage with both of them in more than one continent. Um, so, you know, with, with Robert Kiyosaki in London, in South Africa, and in uh, in uh, Brazil and Blair, just all over the world, actually, just been, you know, privileged to share the stage with both those guys mm. and 
have some great time spent with him. And meeting Blair Singer was a great influence on myself, my wife's life at that time that we were traveling around the world. As you know, we were traveling not just for tourism, we were doing these events where we were speaking. There comes that word again, the events. These were the fun kind of events, yep. not the ones that land you in hospital for a couple of months, right? Um, right. Uh, but these were kind of, you know, really fun events. We were teaching about success and financial freedom, the kind of stuff that we were talking about in our podcast um, in episode 10, no doubt, just mindset type stuff. And just sharing some of the things that had led to you know, me becoming financially free and yeah. creating multiple businesses and a multi-million property portfolio and all of that stuff. And so we were sharing that, traveling around the world, met Blair, and he had this program where he climbed Kilimanjaro with some of his close friends and associates, and we decided to do that. And the thing was, was this was before we had our family, and I'd been traveling and doing all these exciting adventures, became a pilot, and done all these amazing things and you know my wife had I'd met her later on in my life and she hadn't done so much traveling which was part of what this trip was all about so she said she really wanted to climb do this you know Kilimanjaro mountain climb experience and you know I'm sure many of you guys know that are listening it's a tallest freestanding mountain in the world it's the tallest mountain in Africa so it's one of the big you know top you know uh, continent uh, largest mountains in that continent and and uh, so one of the ones that climbers like to do so we prepared for that, did some training for it. But the main reason I say this is because I decided to do that for once as something that was my wife's thing to do, that I would be supporting her on rather than the other way around because she'd supported me on this great adventure of becoming a speaker on stage right. for, you know, some of the world's you know, greatest speakers and, you know, the largest uh, seminar company in the world. And she'd been there just had my back the whole way and she wanted to do this. And I was like, you know what, this is a great chance We've been married for a while now, six, seven years, whatever it was at that time. And, you know, we're planning to have family at some point soon. Let's make this something really for her. So long story short, we went up Kilimanjaro. It was an amazing experience. Seven days up and down, five days up, two days down. Um, and um, I, I basically decided pre-going on the mountain that if there was, and it's partly because of the story that Blair tells about the first time he went up, um, about sort of setting context before I went up. So I set some context with myself and Barbara and I just said, I'm doing this for Barbara. I'm there for her. I'm, you know, if she gets into any trouble on the mountain, I'm there with her. I'm not going to, you know, leave her behind and go to the top and say, well, we're both here. We spent a lot of money. I'm going to the top and I'll meet you down later. If there's any challenges, I'll be with you and vice versa. You know, um, we'll do this together. So anyway, look, you know, we got up to the last day before the summit. So we're already super high, like I think it was, you know, gosh, I can't remember now, but it was over, it was, it was well over, must be over 10, 12,000 feet, you know, heading up there in the sort of 4,000 plus, mm. uh, you know, meters. And I can't remember the exact altitude, but it was that last, you know, um, base camp, really high um, before we got to go set off early in the morning for the peak. But as we were up there and Barbara had had her, um, pulse ox being checked, that's the level of oxygen in her blood, uh, her pulse and all of this. Her heart rate was really high, like 120 plus, but it was like that sitting down, sustained for hours. So her heart was getting a workout mm. as if she'd been running a marathon. She's been sitting down for three hours. So the people that we were with, they were super safe, amazing, amazing uh, organization, guy called K2 Adventures, and they just made the call. And we had, again, had this conversation with the whole team before. Everyone was on the same page. They make the call that you don't go to the top, you obey. And that's the way that they run things. And that's how they make sure they don't have anybody die on them. You know, because people do die 
on Kilimanjaro. And we did, we did see people being carried down. Right, for sure. So um, basically, we got to that base camp. She was in a bad way. She didn't look too hot. She had this high pulse rate, low pulse ox. It was kind of touch and go, really. I think it was something like 70-something. It really should be around the 90s. Um, you can tolerate 80-something. And the dipping down below that was not good, especially if we had to go up higher and push harder. And the trouble is, Barbara's very, very powerful mindset. She would have just kept going and probably put herself into a dangerous position and put you know the team in a difficult position. So we just followed the advice of the, um, of right. the leaders of the expedition. And they said, look, she's not going up. Alan, you'll be fine. You can make it. You know, what's your decision? And, you know, without a beat, I just was like, yep, I'm staying with Barbara. No hesitation. Even though I've been training for this thing for six months, mm. we'd you know, had all this build up, all these days and this adventure, and we're almost there. And then it's like, oh, do you go just those few hours up there or not? But she had to go down straight away. It wasn't that she had to wait at base camp. That might have been different. And I might have said, look, if you're happy here and you're comfortable, I'll go to the top and come back. I'll be back in five or six hours. But as it was, uh, she had to you know, go down straight, straight away, actually. We couldn't even spend the night. So she was you know, basically right. sent down. And she would have been on her own with a cook and a, a porter. And that was it. So I decided to go with her. And for me, that was really important pre having our first child because it kind of helped me really for, you know, if I'm really honest with you, I'm not always good at thinking of her and putting her first. So it was a really good mm. opportunity for me to kind of practice being in that mind space ready for when it was, it was time for her to give birth. And so I feel that really set us up well for, you know, parenthood together. And so I went down with her and, you know, stayed at that lower altitude base camp while our, you know, our, uh, our colleagues and friends went up to the top and peaked and then came down and met us that evening. So that's kind of, um, uh, you know, a pretty interesting story, but uh, it was t t topped off by another amazing thing, which is that we actually saw one of my childhood heroes. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, Simon, one of yours as well. I, I know, uh, I know the story. Harrison Ford was on the mountain yep. and he was celebrating, I think it was his 70th birthday that year, um, with his wife, I think everyone knows, He's Ali McBeal, isn't it? And his son, and we saw Kill them in the, the flockhart. Yeah, that's right. Yes, uh, the flockhart. And we saw them all in the shop downstairs, and got to shake him by the hand and look him in the eye, and just thought, "Man, I'm never going to forget that." That was that was awesome. Right. Was Did like you say I love you? And he said, "I know." <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it, though. Um, actually, I had, I'd asked him if he wouldn't mind if we could get. I think it was either a photo or a signature or something for the young lads that I was with, some of the teenage boys that we've been climbing, climbing with, and he had to just politely decline because he, there was a big you know, amount of people in there and he just ended up getting a queue. So um, we, right. were just like, we were like, no, totally get it, it's fine. But he did shake us by the hand, looks in the eye, say thank you. It was, yeah, it was a great moment. That's awesome. And um, yeah, it was yeah, just, just a great moment. And the, actually, the, the guides that we were with, and they did get to spend a few moments with him and stuff because on the way down, they saw him struggling um, with his knees a bit and they gave him some um, I forget the name of them but they're basically like um, metal uh, like spiky things that you put on the bottom of your boots like to grip in the ice and snow or in mud and in this case it was mud quite slippery mm. and so they saw him on the way down and they just gave him these like you know spiky metal things that you chain onto your feet um, and, uh, and and he you know was very grateful so he spent a bit of time with them I think he took a photo of them which was awesome yeah so that was a great 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 experience yeah Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> That's cool. Well, th thanks so much for sharing that. Um, I just want to touch on yeah. you know on that experience yeah. and your health issues and maybe 
maybe yes. you know the birth of your son like what what have you seen um in your perspective change from those you know really happy experiences and really challenging experiences it's a great question um really um yeah well i mean for just for kind of a piece of context for those of you that are listening that maybe you've picked up on simon's podcast in recent times maybe you haven't had that chance to listen back to that episode 10 yet uh, it was a lot of fun we had a ball right about that time and uh, so anyone that's listening if you enjoyed um this one or even if you just enjoy Simon's podcast check that one out and this will help make a few make a bit of sense to some of these things we're discussing today but just for those of you that weren't able to listen to that and um, one of the things I mentioned in that that we talked about a little bit was that back in 2004 16 years ago now um, I had a pretty significant and life-changing event already and that was that my family home burned down I lost everything that I had I was living at home with my dad my uh, three brothers and sisters um, and um, my nephew and everything, we, we lost everything uh, and our home and, you know, we were made homeless and we had some real challenges. And as I said, that last uh, podcast is that we also lost my, my dear mum in that fire. So um, I guess the reason I'm bringing that up here is just to create a bit of context for people that haven't had the chance to listen before is that um, in that time, I, I felt like um that that you know my life had taken a trip to rock bottom and it, life couldn't get any worse you know because i'd part of me I thought well, i can have challenges ahead but i can't ever lose my mum again i can lose people i know are dear to me but i can't ever have that shock like this is the first person and you know i was quite young like anytime anything else bad happens after this i will have some water under the bridge of you know experience to know how to deal with it and so on. But one of the decisions that I made, it came from really some inspiration from people like Anthony Robbins and Stephen Covey. Um, Stephen Covey was talking about being proactive as one of his seven habits in that world famous book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And being proactive is, you know, for people that might just think that's a buzzword in, in corporate world, well, actually it's basically just think of it as the opposite of being reactive. Instead of saying, my life's like this because of mm. what's happened to me, you say, in spite of what's happened to me, how do I want my life to look? So I made a decision to use what had happened to me as a way of putting like what I believe to the test. So I thought, look, you know, if I really believe about being proactive, this is the ultimate opportunity to prove myself and then to share that with others. That's really proactive because not only am I then getting myself back on my feet, but I'm using this challenge to help others and help bless them with the knowledge and so on. That's what I taught as I was traveling around the world that time I mentioned 2016 to 2018 and sharing that message with people so mm. that's the context uh, to the question that you ask about you know the mindset from what's changed from you know having a son climbing Killy um, and um, having this you know um, uh, cavernous hemangioma this bleed on the brain um, that caused me to be so ill in hospital so just to make sure I don't go off the, off the rails here with the question you are asking what is my perspective on how has my perspective changed given all of those things is that where you're going with that, that that's pretty much the the skinny of it yeah yeah thanks thanks i just wanted to make sure i didn't go off, off track right there yeah so i think you know that um having, having let's start with my son i mean there must be a number of listeners out there who have had children you've had children Simon. you're a way ahead of me on that um 
and always had huge respect for you being a dad, um, probably even more so as I became a dad, but I knew that there was a sense of voyage into the unknown about it. And um, I'll hark back to something. I know you'll love this analogy. Um, I, I just know this already. I can see the smile on your face as I say this. Um, you, you may or may not have heard of this, but it'll relate to something you know. So um, now what's the name of the fellow? It's, uh, there's a series on Netflix, six-part series with uh, Joseph Campbell and Bill Moyers, and he's talking about Joe Campbell's um, uh, myth and legend. And um, you'd love it. The reason I say you'll, you'll like this is because they're talking about um, Star Wars and that a lot and Lord of the Rings. And basically they're talking mm -hmm. about this pattern that human beings have in stories that sound interesting. And it's one of the reasons, I guess, why you've invited me onto your podcast in, in some level is because, you know, a story to be worth telling needs to be interesting at some level and needs to be some form of actual genuine genuine human struggle or challenge that was overcome that makes people go huh you know or makes them stop and take a breath or you know take a moment of thought you know mm. and what he talks about joe campbell is amazing guy look up this this i mean i've only ever listened to the audio i've not actually watched the video on netflix but i've seen it's on there uh, interviewed by bill moy very very popular um i think it was uh is it pbs is that right? Public broadcast or something in, in the US? Yeah. PBS, yeah. Yeah, properly okay. old now, like 1980s. Anyway, they're talking in that about this kind of, um, this uh, human, you know, journey, the hero's adventure, they call it. Um, and I think that's um, uh, that's a really central theme. And so in that, they talk about Star Wars. And so where I'm going with this is that they, they allude to this scene where, you know, Luke Skywalker, you'll remember this very well, he's in the cantina, right? And he goes in, there's all these like grizzled, like experienced, like, you know, pilots and, you know, people that have been out to the far depths of, of space. And he's like wide eyed there. And, you know, there's all these kind of guys, all this world experience. He's about to step onto the threshold of from where he knows to the unknown. And so in a way, mm. you know, seeing people like yourselves, good friends of mine, friends that we were in bands with together, um, you know, other friends of ours from school, good old friends seeing those guys go out into that fatherhood, I, you know, then I finally got to that cusp as my wife was pregnant. I felt like, um, felt like Luke Skywalker in, in the cantina, like seeing the, you know, when I talked to you about it, and always had great respect for, for you and all those other people that had been there before me. And so it, it's a hero's adventure. Every father knows that if you really reflect that it's a voyage into the unknown, you don't know what to expect. It is scary. Um, you know, there might be some people out there who are like so confident, they're arrogant, and maybe even naive to the way the world was out there. But once they got out there, I'm sure there are some things that were like, oh, wow, this is reality. And it's, it's a great mm -hmm. experience and an amazing challenge. So a little bit of Star Wars in there for which I knew would, uh, would uh, you know, tickle you and bring a smile to your face. Um, so, yeah, my, my son, for me, has been that kind of an adventure, an amazing adventure. I've loved it, uh, honestly. Yeah, I really loved it. Um, the challenges have been... Um, not as bad as what I thought they were, I suppose. Like the fear or, or of doing a good job, you know, or the nervousness about the unknown is probably worse than reality. Um, you know, I think it was Mark Twain that said something along the lines of like, you know, um, I've worried about, you know, a thousand things, most of which have never happened or something like that. You know, it's 
kind of like that. So, sure. so it's been a great adventure. I really love it. Um, love watching him develop. Um, and I just want to give him the best possible, you know, start in life. And that connects me to something else you talk, you asked me to mention, which is when I was, when I thought that I might be on my deathbed, you know, which is the other thing that you raised about going through that, you know, the brain event, going through the, the cavernous hemangioma, the bleed. So I'm going to take a pause for breath uh, because I'll tell, tell you about that in a moment. And, you know, the relationship that, you know, that has to this story is just about how I thought, how I was going to pass on my knowledge when I thought maybe I'm not going to be here for much longer. And so I'm just giving you a little heads up of where I'm going to go with that. But we'll just pause for breath there, Simon, sure. because I've been talking a little while. I just wondered, is there anything you wanted to ask or say or come back on on what I've already said? You know, so it's not uh, just this one-way monologue. No. Um, keep it going. Ooh. Take your breath and... Uh... Sure. And go and go. Thank you, thank you. Go into go into the uh, you know a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, thank you, Simon. Yeah, I just yeah, just any time you jump in, just feel free. That's why I'm just giving you the opportunity there in case you have something burning to say or ask. So so yeah, the other thing, the brain event, just connected with that thing with my son. That was one of the things that made it challenging because you know what happened if I sort of tell the short version of that story. I told the super short version earlier, but the short version, you know, in a couple of minutes, as it were, is that Christmas Eve last year, so 2019, I went out to Midnight Mass with my nephew. We'd had a nice evening with my family, uh, my wife, um, and my little baby boy, Jensen, uh, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, they were staying with us over Christmas, my my nephew um, and my sister, um, who's the you know, mother of my nephew. And so a lovely Christmas Eve. Time for midnight mass. Me and my nephew went out. Um, I'd had like maybe two, maybe three glasses of mulled wine over the evening, so I certainly wasn't pickled. It was a nice evening, you know, and I went out for this midnight mass. But like as I was standing there, I just sort of felt a little bit funny. Like I noticed the fronts of my legs touched the pew as I was stood up, and it like, it's like, oh, it almost feels like I'm a little bit, maybe I had too much mulled wine, haha, you know, didn't even give it a moment's thought. And then it just felt a little bit wobbly, but I was like, well, you know, who knows? Maybe it's because I haven't drunk for a while. Walked home, again, same thing, still felt a little bit unsteady, but not nothing too crazy. And then just before bed, I was sick. And I thought, gosh, that's strange, because by that point, it had clearly been about two hours since I'd even had anything to drink. And as I said, I had had maybe three glasses of mulled wine, but it had been spread out over the evening and hadn't felt particularly, right. you know, pickled or anything like that. So... I did wonder what was going on, but I didn't think too much of it. I just thought, that's odd. Went to bed, woke up the next morning, same thing, was sick again, but just felt really dizzy. And, you know, to fast forward the story now, basically it was like that for about a week. I went to the hospital, uh, sorry, to the doctors, uh, to an emergency walk-in surgery because I wasn't registered anywhere because I hadn't been ill for so long. Um, I was still registered in the town that I'd lived in five years ago. So I just had to go to an emergency walk-in clinic. Mm. And we decided that it probably was like an inner ear infection that was making me feel sick and vomiting and dizzy. Um, probably that was what it was. So I took some medicine to stop the dizziness. Seemed to help a bit, I thought, but then it didn't. And then anyway, got to a week later, it was New Year's Eve, still not well, still being... So New Year's Day, went to the doctors, managed to get a visit finally after calling New Year's, New Year's Eve. Went the next day, saw an emergency doctor's appointment after I'd managed to get registered a few days prior, just in case. And, and he was like, I'm going to call you an ambulance. You need to go to the hospital. I was like, what? 
basically, I mean, my wife drove me there because we were around the corner anyway, went to the hospital, waited mm. there for, you know, God knows, half a day or whatever, got some brain scans that they recommended um, just to be on the safe side, went and visited and they said, oh, look, you know, probably nothing, just, you know, going to check these scans and then hopefully send you home. And then they called me in and were like, oh, you need to go in this waiting area. And we're like, okay, what's this all about? And we sat in this waiting area and this woman comes in like, I guess it's a surgeon or something, she had a bright, dark red top, like a maroon red, which I think is a surgeon's colour. Anyway, she looked important. She came up to me, I was sitting down on the bed, still totally dizzy, you know, um, struggling to not be sick. And she just sort of knelt down beside me, put a hand on my shoulder and said, I'm so sorry, I'm really, really sorry. Like, what? She's like, you might, I think you've got brain cancer. I was like, what? And she was mm. like, well, you know, we found something in your brain, it's a little shadow and it could be a tumour or... You know, I have to say it might also be a cancer that's spread from a cancer in your body. It might be a secondary tumour, secondary cancer. So you might have cancer that's mm. like spread to your brain. Either one's not good, right? So I was like, oh, okay. And she said, we have to keep you in night for tests and so on. Send you for an MRI. I was like, oh, crikey. So I stayed in the hospital for five days thinking, God, what's going what's to happen? Have I got cancer? Am I going to die? You know, and then I got you know, given some strong steroids to stop my brain swelling in case that's what it was and that caused me to not be able to sleep and it caused me to have some emotional ups and downs you, people you know you might know that's from the side effects of drugs made me quite you know emotional it's quite a difficult time so I had some dark moments late at night you know where I was up at night I couldn't stop my brain from thinking things like right life insurance okay I got that covered what about um, my will yeah okay uh, that's kind of underway that's all right um yeah what am I going to need how am I going to say what I need to say to my son, but I need to do some recordings, like what am I going to do, how's he going to grow up without knowing his dad, so all this stuff was a sort of thing going through my mind, knowing that it also might not be cancer, but that in my mind it sort of was like it probably is, but it also might not be, but it probably is, so I had to just, I kind of just accepted that it probably was. Five days later they told me I was clear after loads of injections and being sick and you know, it's a horrible time in the hospital, I mean you know, anyone who's been, who has to be in hospital, it's not a nice, not a nice experience, but I was burying it pretty well, I was in an oncology walk, I thought I had cancer, and, you know, I just was like, dealing with things, and getting on with it, eventually they told me I didn't have it, and I was clear, five days later, and I'd been in hospital, so I was like, well, mm. I am grateful, don't get me wrong, but I didn't feel that much of a relief, because I was still so sick, that I didn't know, what right. was going on and why had it been for like over a week already like how long was it going to be you know it just every hour or a few hours it just felt horrible and you know anyway long story short they essentially ended up sort of saying telling me right it was a cavernity mangione it was a micro bleed on the, on the brain it's right in the area that affects balance which is why you feel so dizzy and that's causing you to be sick so we're giving you some strong anti-sickness we'll stop the steroids and they were giving me the same anti-sickness drugs that you get on chemotherapy right and they were giving me like a triple dose it was strong stuff to stop me being sick sent me home you know maybe after 10 days of hospital and i had to come back almost immediately because even with the drugs they were giving me i was super super sick and I had some really really painful side effects which i won't go into not for so much embarrassment just because I don't, in case people are you know having their dinner or whatever some very unpleasant and very very painful side effects excruciating and yeah. and you know I wouldn't wish it on anybody and you know a lot of pain a lot of discomfort um, several times over that month and I'd be in the hospital in and out of hospital for a month 
and it just kept dragging on and on and I had these drugs and you know I wasn't getting better and then it got worse and the second trip to the hospital suddenly it got worse like and they realized it was another bleed when I got another scan later on they realized it expanded slightly and I'd lost half the taste on the side of one side of my tongue my, my balance was even worse I you know I could barely sit up in bed I'd lost like 10% of my body weight um, and at that point I was in the neuro ward and neurology ward and I was in there with people that were like shouting like and cursing at the nurses throughout the night they were really confused you know it was some difficult circumstances people with like chunks missing out of their head like a big literally like a big mm. chunk missing out of their head and other guys that could just rock in their bed and couldn't communicate with the nurses and their family when they came in it was heartbreaking but all throughout that I just felt like grateful actually that I wasn't in a worse off position although I felt sick and horrible and it was like a hour after hour or just a drag of just getting through it and my goals each day were like just to eat three times a day to drink water and just try and sleep a bit that was my goals you know maybe get up and have a mm. you know, go to the loo or you know I could barely be bothered to wash I wasn't having a shower my wife helped me do like bathe with baby wipes it was that bad you know I felt pretty low, you know, really, um, pretty low. Um, and I, I cried when they told me they didn't know how long it was going to take till I got better. And, you know, that I, that they, even when they just said you might have to take, take off work for six, four to six weeks at least, even that was a bit of a blur of the reality of the state where I was in. And that was quite a lot. And I, you know, even Barbara would sometimes bring me food and I would just cry when I got that, you know, given because I felt like I'd been looked after and it was so difficult and I was so vulnerable. It was a really low point, very, very low. Um, but on the upside of it, coming out of it, you know, I had to walk with crutches, I had to have a, you know, uh, an eye patch. But on the, as I came out of hospital after a month or so, I started to just allow myself to recover. You know, I just took some time and reflected on what I needed to do and get active again and get fit again and focus on my physical health and just really retaking that same decision that I made before that you can choose you know as I said before like I couldn't choose the cards that life had dealt me but I could choose how to react to it and how to play those cards and that was what right. Stephen Covey was talking about be proactive you know and don't let the circumstance of your life dictate you know how things are going to be you know or Victor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning talks about that when he was a, in a holocaust uh, in, in the you know the camp the um, Jewish concentration camps and you know he had this book that he wrote about how to you know still always have that degree of influence and control over what you can do something about which is up here in your mind so I made that I, I kind of remade that decision and said I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep looking until I find a reason for why this happened so that I find it like when you look for something ultimately you often find it you know and I wanted that to happen I didn't care whether it was brought on by me or not, I wanted to have a good reason for this. So, you know, um, that's what I made a decision of again, is I'm going to keep going, get fit again, and see how I can use this in a way to improve my life, improve um, my knowledge about myself, but also, crucially, to improve and to bless others as well with, you know, being able to share the story of, of, of how to recover. So, honestly, that was... Now we're at the recording of this, we're now into September. So it's like nine months, you know, in a few days, it'll be nine months since that event happened. And so 
you know, I'm physically pretty much there. I say 99% because I still have a very minor sensation that I recognize is like a, it's like an aftertaste of what happened. It doesn't affect me physically or mentally or anything like that, but I, it's just like a, if I'm a bit tired or thirsty or dehydrated, I can sometimes feel like almost like a minor little physical dullness in my eyes and head as a reminder of what happened, which is a bit like having a bit of scar tissue. There's nothing at all, no problem with it, but it's just a, a reminder. So I'm not really against that because it reminds me of um, of the fragility of life and that I need to be thankful for every day that I have. And the last analogy I'll give before I take another pause for breath and ask for anything you want to say or respond to or ask is it just reminds me of a, something I read. I think it was in The Untethered Soul by, my, by, by Michael Singer or um, The Untethered Soul or in Awareness by Anthony DeMello, I think it was. One of the two, both great books that I read in the last few years. And um, he talks about, I can't remember where this comes from, it, you know, if it's an Indian sort of cultural story or from Japan or somewhere in the East, but I think it came from India or something. Um, anyway, there's a story of like imagining like you're living your life with like a sword hanging from the ceiling, held up by some threads, and that at any moment, you know, maybe a spider, strong spider's web, any moment it could just come crashing down and kill you. If you live your life like that's actually, and that's the reality, right? And that sounds a bit morbid, but bear with me here because let's just be honest no one of us knows our day of passing. The only one thing we do know is that there will be a day of passing. We know we're not infinite beings. We know that we're, you know, finite souls in terms of our human experience. I'm not talking about spiritual experience. I know that, you know, everyone has different beliefs about how long we are around and all that. I'm talking about our human experience. And and we always we know that there's an end date. We just don't know when that's going to be. But what we do know, and what I think sometimes we forget, all of us that is, is that every single day that passes Every time we put our head in the pillow, that's one less of whatever we have got left. So this gift that we've been given is diminishing every single day. You know, money comes and goes. You can lose everything and then start all over again and suddenly make more than you've ever had. But you can't do that with time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do it with love. You could lose everyone that you love and then, you know, in a, in a war and then move to a new country and develop amazing new relationships. And, you know, you'll never have those people again, but you'll have love again, you know. So... Time is the one thing that we know is getting less of every day. So if every single human being on the planet, whether it's, you know, hopefully not, whether it's tomorrow or next week or next month or next year or next decade or, you know, whatever, next several decades. The thing is, is we just know that life is becoming more and more precious as we have less of it. And many people, I think, would do well to be constantly reminded of that in order to be grateful for the things that we have that are good and that are you know positive in our lives that appreciation that we can share so for me that's the blessing that's come out of it um and i probably could do better with remembering that even more often um i'm sure there are many listeners right now who would agree with me in spite of not necessarily all of them having had an experience like mine i mean some of them may have may have come to their own conclusion about this as well and some people may have had nothing and still come to the same conclusion um, and some people may be thinking this for the first time, and that's all great. And, um, you know, I encourage people to seek their own truth, but I find that very powerful. And that was one of the things that came out of that story for me as a reminder of those important things and to appreciate often the little things in life 
Um, and I'm not always good at doing that. I'll be the first to admit. So, you know, this is a reminder that it could happen to anyone at any day. I'm a young, healthy, 40-year-old man when it happened. Was it 40? No, 41. The point being is most, yeah, most people were really surprised. I'm fit, healthy, quite slim, you know, very active, do a lot of stuff, and then suddenly I'm hospitalized, you know, and I can't walk without crutches and an eye patch. And, you know, I think it took everyone by surprise, you know. So that's kind of, I guess, my take on my philosophy that has developed or strengthened as a result of becoming a father and having this event, this you know, brain event, this cavernousy mangiona, this bleed on my cerebellum, this kind of mini stroke that happened um, along with all of those other things. So I hope that kind of goes some way to towards answering your question. I hope it ties in fairly well with that first episode that we recorded back in, you know, episode 10 of the podcast mm. as well. Um, what, are you, what are your thoughts, Absolutely. Simon? How are you, where are you with all of that? Um, yeah, so first of all, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing. My pleasure. Obviously, um, you know, obviously I, I was... Um, I, I heard, you know, during the time, you know, you messaged mm. me and we were reading Barbara's yeah. updates, but, you know, it, it's really, uh, you know, really uh, good to hear the kind of the perspective from you personally um, about the whole thing. Um, so just quickly, one thing, I think, you know, at some point when I get a death metal band together, I, you know, I, I definitely want to call it Cavernous. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that that's going to be the name of my death metal band. That's um, a great name, yeah. <laughs> but but no, but seriously, um, now what what the first thing that came to mind about that was, um, you know, if you, whether whether you believe in karma mm. or not, um, you know, it, it seems like for my own struggles with depression, having uh, you know, the medication stopped me from going ridiculous mm. lows and, you know, reasonable yeah. highs, you know, you get this up and down, um, you know, for someone like yourself who has, has had some amazing yeah. life experiences, but have also had some really, you know, mm. bad experiences as well. You know, it, it kind of made me think, well, you know, whether karma itself as a thing exists, yeah. I think the word karma may and and this may have already been you know delved into mm -hmm. psychology, but karma is almost like the you know your your brain assigning the mm. balance of your mm. human experience. So you know it, it it if you say all right, well I've experienced this high, now I'm due for a low. You know that's your brain kind of saying, well it's going to happen, and it's almost like a a self fulfilling yeah. prophecy. Whereas if you flip it around and say well i'm just experiencing life and you know the the good times are just made better because of the loss yeah. and just having that difference you know different mindset um you know wh whether or not karma is a tangible mm. thing mm. or not that that was kind of what, what i took from it wow thank you yeah i really um, appreciate that insight it's definitely given me food for thought um you know in terms of that you know, that viewing those bad points as like, you know, palate cleansers, like, you know, they say you'll appreciate this because mm. you're a musician, you know, unlike me, I'm just a drummer. Um, <laughs> we always had those jokes in the back in the day, right? Um, I bought you that t-shirt. I know, exactly, right? Exactly. Um, but, 
the, you know, they often say about music, it's like sometimes it's the space between the notes, isn't it? And it's like you could say that life is the space between, you know, the notes um, in the sense that, you know, these palate cleansing experiences allow us the opportunity to appreciate the day to day highs like a hug or a lovely cup of tea, which for me is a little high. I love a lovely cup of tea. Mm. You know, um, I love having a barbecue with my Brazilian family. Love that. It's a great day. A couple of beers, some music. Oh, brilliant. You know, fantastic, fantastic thing. Mm -hmm. I love being with with my friends. You know, I enjoy, really enjoy connecting with you and doing these talks and when we have little chats and stuff like that. You know, there's lots of what I would call little highs. Um, You know, that which reminds me of Bohemian Rhapsody, little high, little low. Um, You know, we get these little highs and little lows, but also these big crescendos and these big falls. And overall, that does add to Mm -hmm. the interest of of life and i think it's just all about looking at it and saying how do i want what do i want this to mean you know rather than saying this must mean x i love the idea that you can be the author of your own life you can you know create your own Mm. you know composition based on the notes that life's giving you right now you know it's a bit like a jam session life sometimes i talk to you know um some of my family who suffered from depression and mental illness and suicidal feelings and things like that sometimes and I sometimes use the analogy of surfing it's like there are waves that come in life and sometimes you're surfing the you know the you know what out of it it's just like yeah let's surf this wave while it's here and then just wait for that wave to pass and then it's you know, you've got to paddle a little bit back it's a little bit pain in the neck sometimes you get bashed around by the waves you're getting back out there but then you get ready for the next wave and it's great again mm-hmm. that's not to say you know that you expect specifically negative things in your life but it is part of life to have some ups and downs and if you expect them in that sense, like a wave, like, well, you know, I had that great wave. I'm not expecting there not to be another wave instantly, but I'm expecting that, you know, life comes with balance. And actually, you know, let's kind of try and see that for what it is, which is without this, you know, trough or without fighting through that bit of white water to get back out to the point where the waves are breaking again. We're going to enjoy riding those those beautiful waves back in. So there's another, mm. we're all analogies today, right? I mean, this is crazy. We're, but it's how we how yeah. we see things, right? Fantastic. I hope that makes some sense in response to what you said, Simon. Anyway, and um, yeah, Fantastic yeah. I, want, I wanted to ask you. Oh, go on. Yeah, go on. No, go ahead. What What were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to ask you actually, just because it's nice to have a conversation and for the listeners as well. I'm sure is just you know because we've been friends since we were what 11 years old was it since we met. 11, 11, yeah, so when we went to school in first year, we got to meet each other at age 11, I think, and that was 1990, 91, was it? No, hold on, it was 90 to 95 when we were at school, so it would have been September 1990. Yeah, so 1990. So in fact, that is 30 years ago this month that we met. That's crazy, Mm -hmm. right? Very crazy. Wow, Uh, so 30 years ago. So what I'm saying is, is that as a friend of somebody who has gone through, you know, uh, something. I, I know that you were worried at the time because of what you were saying through the text and you were very careful and caring and, you know, thoughtful in your messages to me on, on Messenger and stuff. What was it like for you seeing a friend of yours? I'm guessing probably, but tell me if I'm, you know, too much of a going off track here, but I'm guessing probably one of the few times that you've seen a friend of your own age go through a life-threatening mm or seemingly at the moment, at the time you were going through it, you were going through it with me, right? Because you didn't know what was happening. A life-threatening illness. 
What was it like to see a friend of yours at the age of 41 who you seem to care about quite a lot? You do care about a lot, obviously. What was it like for you being in that position? Um, it was scary. I mean, I, it was a lot of unknown. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to Kilimanjaro. I yeah. mean, you, you, if you remember, I mean, you, you, um, Blair was, uh, posting pictures and suddenly the, the, uh, the, the, um, the pictures from the summit came out and you yes. weren't there. So I got really yeah, worried then too. Yeah. And you just like taking care of Barbara and then gone to, uh, what, what was it? You went on safari or something? Yeah, the day after just I think we went to do this next, yeah, next, next thing. thing. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you were like incognito. There was no like connectivity right. or whatever. And I was, I was thinking yeah. the worst because, you know, suddenly, you know, you weren't at the summer. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the fir- one of the first uh, instances yeah. where I got really worried. Um, yes. Just, just not knowing. And then for this, yeah, I mean, same, same. That was, that was a couple of days and yeah. then everything was fine. Um, and this, yeah, it, I, I would say scary. And I wouldn't necessarily say I thought too much mm. of my own health. Because, like, you know, um, I, I may have mentioned this on the a podcast before, but my, my um, uncle passed away from ALS mm. a few years mm. ago. And obviously with my own issues with fibromyalgia and, you know, mm. it's very nerve um, related. And I'm always, you know, in my back of my mind, you know, if will it happen to me? Because yeah. I don't know if it's familiar or not. Um, but for you, yeah, that didn't, I don't think that actually ever crossed my mind. Like yeah. relating my age to your age and thinking, oh, well, mm. you know, what does mm. this mean? Um, but yeah, and that, no, I, I would just say it was just scary in terms of, what it would mean to lose you as a yeah. friend and yeah. you know what that would mean for for me i mean that would yeah that would definitely be extremely devastating yeah. if something would have happened it's sobering isn't it and i just I just asked because i yeah. knew you know i mean i kind of knew the answer to that because you were messaging me i just for the listeners sake just to make sure it's not all one-sided part of the story it's interesting to hear another person's mm. view and you know you were very caring in your messages and i couldn't always replied I couldn't always actually read the messages it was too I was too right. dizzy with a double vision and sure. all of that um but you were messaging when you could and I was messaging when I could and you were talking you know hearing updates through Barbara who was kindly keeping you updated poor thing you're know, having all that work to do as well as looking mm-hmm. after me and looking after Jensen and managing a refurb on our house at that time and all sorts of things were going on so it was quite a scary and challenging time for her as well actually sure. but I just asked because I, I thought it might be good for the for the listeners or viewers to, to know what it was like from your side as well because if you know I'm not just some guy who showed up on the podcast yeah. you were riding that journey along along with me and experiencing it as well it right. just goes to show that these events don't just affect the person involved negatively they affect people around them it's like a little ripple effect and then on the flip side that does also mean for me anyway that that the ripple effect of the good stuff if you look for it and if you seek for it and if you push for it and you want to get the leverage out of it and the benefit of all of this that can have a, a ripple effect too right so even this podcast right here is oh, sure. you know a good thing that's come out of that in that we're getting the message out there about you know um treating challenges that happen in your life as an opportunity to reinvent yourself and say this is my excuse to be different now because life's too short you know, and I've said this before about the fire when it happened to me as well. It's like, you don't have to wait for a life event like this to happen. Because for me, each time it was just a decision. 
I had an event that triggered the decision, mm-hmm. but I didn't need the trigger to make the decision. Like I could just ask you right now, would you be willing to live your life differently, live your life on different terms, on your own terms? Would you be willing to do that? And if you thought about it for a moment and said, yeah, you know what? I am. I am willing to do things the way that old Simon or old Alan would not have been willing to do. Then that's a step forward that you and anyone listening can take right now without having to wait for a negative experience like this to happen. If you want to call it negative, just an a challenging experience and mm-hmm. I intend to turn this into an experience that's net positive meaning that in the end all of the horrible stuff that happened was well outweighed by all of the positive stuff for me my family and others for people that want to know and want to learn and are ready for it in their life fantastic thank you so much my pleasure <laughs> so jumping off that um well not really jumping off just taking mm-hmm. a tangent I guess um can you i don't know if you yeah you've you've posted it so um let's talk about tony robbins oh yeah sure yeah what do you want to know <laughs> so you you um i mean we we talked about tony and in episode 10 yeah. and obviously it's been um you know before that you you turned me on to his yeah. books and oh, yeah. you know, definitely been an influence right. in, yeah, in everything yeah, yeah. um but you you recently uh uh, given the opportunity to host a, a virtual event, because right. I know he's been doing a lot of these virtual events because of COVID. Yeah. So can you can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, thanks for bringing it up. Actually, Sam. Yeah. Um, this has really been, you know, a blessing after a blessing. This is me riding the waves of life, like I talked about earlier, whereby we went off on this world tour, 2016. We decided to make it have travel with a twist and do speaking in all these different countries based on what I'd learned in one program with Blair Singer and taught over, oh, now, gosh, it was thousands of people here. I can't remember the number, but that we did in that tour. There are thousands of people that we spoke in front of in, in different countries, um, you know, 23 different countries around the world. Uh, 15, we, we taught in 15 countries in that time. It's been over 23 now. But the reason I say that is because that was the start of that journey. 2015, did a workshop with Blair Singer. Um, obviously, I've been reading and studying all these other people we've talked about, Stephen Covey, Robert Kiyosaki, Blair Singer, um, and Anthony Robbins. And basically, that was the beginning, This doing this. I didn't have a real outcome. I was like, let's just do some events. Let's not worry too much if we're doing it for money or not. We didn't charge for a lot of them. Most of them, we didn't, actually. Um, or if we did it, it was a small amount, just, you know, nominal amount to cover some costs, and people were happy to pay it. And, you know, that was really the start of that adventure of, you know, picking up that new surfboard, you know, jumping from mm. shortboard to longboard or whatever, I changed, you know, tack. And it was a great beginning. That was five years ago, actually, this month, uh, last month when I met with Blair the first time. It wasn't the first time, but it was the first time in this way. And that began this journey where as I was traveling around, I kind of got noticed, I guess, by Blair, by Success Resources. I've mentioned them earlier. They're, you know, the world's, they're, you know, you could say arguably, but I would actually just say I can't think of any other global promoter that is as big and as well known as them. If anyone says, you know, they've been to see people like Anthony Robbins, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, T. Harvecker, you know, any of the big names in personal development, if you were to say, what's the one promoter around the world that's probably the most well known about this? And I don't think anyone would hesitate, hesitate to say success resources. So I don't mind not a plug for them it's just the truth you know so i went to a lot of their events and you know and and kind of 
also served and volunteered for some of their events as well um, and just got involved with speaking on stage for uh, T. Harvecker, who's the author of The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind and creator of that program. It's quite well known around the world, the Millionaire Mind Intensive. And actually, as I was serving, I ended up getting the opportunity to um, meet Harv's uh, partner, uh, Michelle. And um, yeah, she, she and, and Blair Singer gave me this opportunity to speak on stage and do training for Harv and for Success Resources. And that was a great, great opportunity. And my training experience was growing. I was working on my game and touring the world and doing all these different things. And then I got the opportunity to speak with Robert Kiyosaki as well and teach on stage all through Success Resources because I was serving and giving and not expecting to be paid at a lot of these events. Um, and that was just because that was where I was at with my life and I wanted to do it and it was fun and I enjoyed it and I got a buzz out of it. I got this amazing, I was like so amazing to be speaking and teaching on the same stage as Blair. But it was so amazing to be teaching on the same stage as Robert Kiyosaki and meeting him in person, having dinners with him and spending time getting to know him and him knowing who I was. I mean, you know, even the first time Blair remembered who I was, I was like, wow, you know. Um, and it was just such an amazing step. And I must never forget that. You know, it was, these are kind of the starting points. I got the chance to meet Stephen Covey and shake him by the hand. And, they, you know, he would never know who I was. But whereas with Blair and Robert, yeah, they know who I am and you know, we spent time together. But then, you know, off the back of all of that, these are like my, you know, Stephen Covey, Anthony Robbins, uh, Blair Singer, Robert Kiyosaki, all kind of like the big hitters of the people that I have really been inspired by. Another one I could say is probably Zig Ziglar, although he's no longer with us. Um, and these were like the big ones. I mean, yes, I love Brian Tracy and, you know, other people like that, really amazing, inspiring people. But the ones that made the most impact have been Tony Robbins, Stephen Covey, um, and uh, Robert Kiyosaki. And so this year, after moving, emigrating to Portugal, where we now live by the beach at this, you know, I've got the shutters closed here because the sun's burning in otherwise and it bleaches me out. But I'm just living at this beach town here and just uh, just south of Porto, beautiful uh, beach town. And it's called uh, Praia de Barra and the Aveiro, you know, the Venice of, of Portugal is Aveiro, where I spent my, my uh, nine year uh, anniversary just the other day. But just out there, I've got these beautiful sand dunes and I'm very blessed to be here. But as I came out here with lockdown happening, you know, all of these events shut down. So I was planned to do probably 20 events in goodness knows how many countries all over the world this year. I love that. Suddenly it'll stop because of coronavirus. And I was like, oh, it sucks. So then I got invited by Success Resources to do a workshop for Anthony Robbins. And so, yeah, I posted about it for anyone that, you know, wants to see. My Facebook is not private. So even if you're not a friend and I've got... You know, almost up to the 5,000 limits. So I'm really not accepting friends anymore at the moment, apart from people that I really meet and get to know. Got a few spaces left there, but otherwise, I've already got too many. But if I accepted them, it would just take me over that limit. So I have to be a bit careful about it. I'm just saying that, that if you check me out, you can go and have a look at facebook.com forward slash, I think it's like alan.p.hill. But anyway, Google Alan P. Hill. You'll find me there and you can see some of these posts. And basically, I got off the opportunity to do these virtual online workshops for Anthony Robbins. So Success Resources have you know, seen fit to call upon me to speak and to teach about my experiences, much like I have done here, and to share with the public about that, but with a view to encouraging people to take the opportunity, if they never have, to learn directly from the master himself, from Anthony Robbins. So, um, you know, if anyone wants to 
uh, find out about that, you can just get in touch with me. My website is alanphill.com and you, know, you can just message me there and I'll, I'll put you in touch with the right people um, if you're not seeing it all over the place on Facebook. And so, yeah, I've got the opportunity to teach and to share a little bit about Tony Robbins and, and to have this opportunity. Some people got the chance to have some special deals to go and see him live in this amazing 360 virtual online experience of Unleash the Power Within, which I did live, believe it or not, on my honeymoon. So that was nine years ago this year. Um, in fact, actually this week, right now, I think I'd be probably arriving in Rimini there to see him live at Unleash the Power Within, walk on burning hot coals and all of that stuff. So it's an amazing experience and he's an amazing teacher and he's influenced me hugely with his audio books a lot in the early days. And then later on, there's live teaching and so on. So yeah, I just feel very honored to have that opportunity to be able to speak and have that association and be on the same website page and as him with Success Resources. It's, it's truly an honor, you know, really it is. And I, I almost sort of feel like, where is there to go from here? And I really, really hope that in the coming months and years, I get to come back on one of your podcasts and talk about, oh my God, we talked about that in episode 80. Now I can't believe it's still, you know, next level's this. And wow, I couldn't imagine that at the time. And so I've just been so blessed and I could never have imagined this back in 2015 that I'd be speaking on the same stage as Blair Singer, as re teaching that program that I was at right there. I've been teaching part of that Train the Trainer program, um, teaching mm. with Robert Kiyosaki, um, teaching his stuff, teaching, you know, with, with, with uh, this amazing connection with Tony Robbins as well. I could never have imagined it. So who knows what, what's next? And, you know, um, but it feels like it's at the pinnacle. Like how can I get, how can it get any better? But I, I love it when life is right. doing that. So, so it's an amazing experience. I just honestly cannot wait to get back to the live audience workshops. Nothing mm -hmm. like it. The buzz of it, meeting real people in the flesh is just not the same online. I love it online, but I really love, 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 love meeting people in different culture, cultures, different countries and teaching and sharing. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's my thing really. I, I just love that. And I can't wait to be back at that. Fantastic. Yeah. So congratulations and thank you so much for sharing. Um, no, of course. Yeah. So let's, I think we should wrap it up there. That's a good place to, to, uh, to kind of finish and, and, uh, wait for the next, uh, update in yes. however many episodes. Um, so exactly. yeah, just, just to recap, where can people find about you and, and get in touch? Yeah, no, thanks, Simon. So, yeah, um, best place, probably just look at my website, which is alanphill.com. So it's A-L-A-N, just one L, um, A-L, no E or whatever, A-L-A-N-P for Patrick, and then Hill, alanphill.com. And then you can find me there. You can message me, you know, you send a message through the website. It's probably the best thing to do, um, particularly if you're looking at, you know, coaching. So I do um, all sorts of, uh, as you know, Simon, we've worked together before, um, had some amazing results. And you know, um, as you said, I think part mm -hmm. of the legacy of that experience that we had together, which was a truly wonderful experience of sharing together um, as friends, but also in that context uh, mm -hmm. of, you know, sort of coaching and working together on your business. It's amazing to be able to have the privilege and honor to, to participate in that with you. And if anyone else sort of fancies a taste of that, um, you know, if you're serious about taking your life to the next level, then I'm still doing coaching online in the Zoom format so i do that at the moment i've got a client I'm working with in alaska um, and i've you know worked with you know someone i know over in singapore and you know someone else in the uk i've got clients all over the world so i can do any time zone and i really enjoy that and love that 
you know, sort of the people that are really wanting to get the best out of themselves and just think, you know, why? Who sees what I don't see? You know, I need somebody else to kind of just give me a bit of a kick up the backside sometimes. So that's really, you know, all I'll say is if, you, if you're looking at that at the moment, do just feel free to connect with me on my website and, um, you know, I'll see what we can do about hooking you up with a you know, discovery session and see if you want to go forward. That, that's all I'll say. And uh, fantastic. And I would highly recommend you. Oh, thank you. Um, I appreciate that. I mean, a lot. No problem. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to round out the episode, what song from our, I, I, I think we, uh, we heard uh, Henrietta the Arctic Chicken last time. So what song would you like to choose from our dark distant past? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. So for podcast viewers that aren't familiar with this, Simon and I used to be in a band at school back in the day. Um, so about, yeah, what, like 25 years ago or thereabouts. And uh, we made some very avant-garde, very, uh, you know, pretty loopy kind of uh, music, pretty crazy kind of uh, songs. And um, we just had a lot of fun with it. So the stuff you're going to be playing is from when we were like 15, 16, something like that. Yeah. Fif- 15, I think. Because... 15, yeah. Yep. We weren't, we weren't done with school yet. And, um, yeah, we were very, very honest about how – uh well i was anyway honest about how poor i was at singing and at music and mm-hmm. just played the drums and made a loud noise but we had fun with it and we really enjoyed it and it was a lot of fun and listening so that's very nostalgic for us so you know for those of you about to listen to this don't be expecting musical perfection do be expecting some 15 year olds mm-hmm. smashing around making a noise having fun being a bit right it's quite punk wasn't it simon in a way we were quite, fairly punk quite, yeah yeah, pretty punk in the sense of so so punk. The uh, the ALC button on the uh, <laughs> cassette player was bad. It was everything was messed up. It was a horrible sound quality, but we loved it. So it's kind of punk, um, but but also a bit silly. And we didn't take ourselves too seriously, did we? So yeah, um, I loved uh, uh, the Arctic Chicken. Um, let's see now. Um, we've got like some good old favourites. Are uh, what do we have? Shitty old van. What was the one about Peter the Rust? Um, uh, Peter Rizarasta. Peter Rizarasta. Yeah. What else do we have? Shout out some names just to bring up some. Oh, Speed uh, Flakes. That was Speed a good Flakes. One. Assassination yeah. by Double Bass. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Unbreakable Glass. Unbreakable Glass. Yeah. Um, I think that Clang as well. Um, I think I'm going to go with Speed Flakes. I just really enjoyed that. It was just a lot of okay. fun. Very tongue in cheek. Um, yeah. And I think. The background for this one, do you want me to just say a word about it? Go for it. You remember the context of this? Um, I, I do. <laughs> is that uh, for those of you listening to this podcast, you'll probably understand why. Um, I quite often talk quite fast, especially when I get excited. And people used to say, hey, Alan, have you been putting speed on your cornflakes in the morning? <laughs> so that was where the concept of speed flakes. We just wrote songs about whatever was going around, the, the sillier, the better. It's, it's actually silly is probably the... Loopy early, maybe the wrong word, silly. We loved silly. Yep. We loved, you know, a bit crazy. And we loved to kind of be just a bit silly and a bit different, didn't we? And I kind of remember Madness mm. being an inspiration, but also mm-hmm. Nirvana. Um, who else? Pearl Jam. I mean, all of that grunge, but also with the silliness of British, you know, Monty Python and yep. Madness, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the background of speed flakes. Me talking fast and people making fun of me, and me taking that right to heart in the in the best possible way, and just writing the, these these silly lyrics and then singing them with a without a uh, you know a tuneful note in my body, right? Well, that, that that's that's uh, a key that um, 
whenever you hear about uh, comedians talking about their craft, it's like you always bring up your ins- insecurities first yes. because it takes the power out yes. from the from the audience to give you that, uh, you know, when, when they're uh, heckling. Yeah. So you're already, and, and they identify with you. So yeah. I think that, I think more that the may be the part. same psychology. Yeah, I think more the second part. I, 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 I don't think that bringing up my weakness of talking fast by any way, shape or form removes the possibility of someone jumping on how no. ridiculous that is. But it certainly does um, help people connect because I think it just shows that we're willing to be vulnerable even at the age of 15 and say, hey, look, it's silly. Who cares? You know, that was like, that was the punk, I think, mm-hmm. side of it. It's like, yeah. I can't sing. Yeah, we're 15 and we're not so good at our music, but who cares? We're going to do it anyway and have some fun with it. And actually, some of our friends at school loved us for that. And they loved that, didn't they? And they really had fun with it. They didn't think we were arrogant because we weren't, because we knew we were rubbish in that sense, right? You know, we weren't trying to be pretending something that we weren't, right? So, a lot of fun. Fantastic. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Great memories. Yeah, indeed. Thank you, Simon, for bringing that up. No problem. So yeah, thank you so much again. Um, looking forward to see where everything takes us, and uh, you know, let's let's uh, do it again sometime. Sounds great. Thank you very much, Simon. I really hope you got a ton out of these conversations and all of the episodes that have come before this one. I'm truly grateful to you for listening this far as well, and I want to invite you to stay connected by joining my email list at musiconyourownterms.com. And I'd really appreciate it if you left a review on iTunes to help this podcast grow even more. Tell your friends, your aunt, and your neighbor's dog. I've got some great discussions already in the can, and some killer guests lined up for the run-up to episode 100 at the end of the year, so make sure you subscribe. As always, keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. From the dark depths of the C-Block music room, sometime in the early 90s, a dodgy tape recorder captured this track, which will now live on forever in the ether. This is Euphoria and Speedflakes. Okay, this next song is a song written about me. Hey, stop talking crap, Alan. Shut up. It's written about me. Stop talking crap and count me in, you stupid. It's a GCSE thing. It's written about me by me, Alan. So, speak, folks. Okay? And what's the time again? Don't do it. Really? Right, just do a count, okay? Yeah. 15, 16, 
talking, I hear the phone. I got up like a rocket, and I'm dead to mud. My face insane, you won't understand. You think that I come from your offering man. Speed on the complex, I'm feeling your heart. Speed on the complex, I'll help you about. Speed on the complex, I'm feeling your heart. Speed on the complex, I'll help you about. Complex, I'm feeling real high. Speed up my complex, I'll help you get by. Speed up my complex, I'm feeling real high. Speed up my complex, I'll help you get by. Let's just fiddle around with the loudness again, because that's cool. That rules, loads. That rules. <laughs>